Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's Monday, May 4th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode number 311. Do you want to know something fun about 311? Huh. Maybe it's because I live in New York. Actually, Rob, can you do a, can you do me a search and do a Google search for 311? Because the thing I'm going to say here is it must is suck to, to, yeah. to have been a really popular band and not to get the top result in a Google search. Wait, because. Really? Yeah, at New York City's 311, which is like an information <laughs> phone number, gets gets the top billing over 311 the band. There's like four different entries of NYC 311 before it's... you get to 311 the band. See, but I, I have get the Boston uh, result. Okay, but that's fine. That's fine. They still didn't get it. <laughs> this is still the, the problem. Poor Aaron Peanut Willis, Jim Watson, Nick Hexum, and Doug S.A. Martinez – and Chad Sexton. How come half of these people sound like druids to me? <laughs> Nick Hexum and Chad That's unfair. Sexton. That's unfair. That's unfair. They're not druids. Sexton is definitely someone who conquered the druids and, <laughs> and drove them from their ancestral home. Apologies yeah. to anyone who's descended Ooh. from druids. Genuinely, this is not a joke. <laughs> not a bit. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Vikings. Vikings weren't druids. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, How's everyone on, doing? On, What's up? on my search, I see them on the they're they're like next to the three one one call. Uh, yeah, they're like over on the C results about. They've got images. Yeah, yeah, yeah that doesn't count. I'm talking about organic, YouTube. regular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is TuneIn? That's the that sounds like a that sounds like a, a radio show from 1967. Yes, it is radio. I just opened it and got an ad. It's there it's radio. <laughs> There you go. Tune in and turn out. Uh, happy Monday, everybody. Amber is the color of my energy. I actually don't know what that means. I actually don't know what, what amber. Amber is the color. Which Is that a good color or is that a bad color? I think it's a sad color. I think the song is sad, right? Is it sad? No, it's it's horny, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> whoa, amber is the color of your energy. Like, that's oh. the, the deal. Is it your Shades energy? of gold. Dis- How fucking they decided that the hook to their song would include the phrase "shades of gold displayed naturally," <laughs> which is which is like really two steps away from like what the local mall kiosk would advertise for its gold chains. Y'all didn't y'all didn't have that. Y'all didn't have <laughs> gold chain kiosk at your local mall. No. Okay. Well. Uh, no. Okay. Anyway, a wait a second. Phones. Wait a second. Huh. One pos- This is from Genius uh, Annotation. Uh, I don't see who. I don't see who who made this initial one. Uh, this is not is not given uh, credit here. 
But <clears throat> one possible explanation of the meaning amber, as used in this song, references the way Jurassic Park dinosaurs were brought yeah, into course. the modern Excuse world. Me. Their DNA was frozen in amber, a sap from trees. Excuse in this me. sense, amber as the color of her energy means that her influence and impact on his life is far-reaching, nearly never-ending. Even after they've broken up, he still feels her energy right. and its timeless allure. That's what in I thought. aura reading, amber is the color of individual strength and aura of courage. Uh, th- that is the aura reading. It's, it's, horny, I, it's horny sad. It's horny sad. It is horny sad. It's yeah, a, it's a break right. of. Yeah. Um, why does this guy look like the other one? Oh, fuck. Never mind. I can't Sugar, remember the uh, name. The dude from Sugar Ray. Yes, that Mark one. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Fuck. Yeah. I honestly thought like it pulled His up a fucking Sugar Ray. No. Vivo video and the thumbnail. I was like, was wait, like is that the guy. other one? <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw 311 once in concert with a band that was better and a band that was worse. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. Um, See if he can figure out that riddle. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> it was in Philadelphia. Or maybe it was in like Trenton or something, but it was in that area. I think it was in Philly. I went with some friends. It was, I was drunk. It's fine. Um, <laughs> it was high school. Like, what are you going to do? Uh, Look, one of the best shows I ever went to was a B-52s concert that somebody just gave me a ticket for and was like, <laughs> who wants to see the B-52s? Yeah, right? <laughs> and I was like, sure, I got nothing else to do. Fuck it. Fuck it, man. And you know what? That rocked. Yeah. Ooh. Lobster. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Rob, you had, I'd say, I would say red was the color. Of, no, green was the color of your energy because you wanted to go down the track like it was a race. And it was like the, the green of a flag being waved. You talked to me about the some flags. Green. Yeah. Doesn't green mean okay, go? Okay, Kato. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The green flag means go. I didn't know that there were green flags. I only ever see the checkered one. There are oh more. Th- <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I've seen green lights, you know? I don't think those yeah. are real. I don't think that's, like, probably fake shit, obviously. They're using flags out here. But I've never Wait, actually green, seen it. Right, green- just to be clear, green lights are not fake shit. Green lights <laughs> do exist. No, I mean, like... On a racetrack. I feel like racetracks do blowing through lights. an intersection thinking like, that shit ain't real. That shit ain't real. That's a social construct, baby. I'm Ooh, red from Co. That's a prison to me. I'm breaking through the walls. Uh. That's, not what, that's not what Foucault said. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, Rob, you, you before we started, you were like, I'm writing this thing about some, some indie car drama. And I went, yeah, it sounds like Rob. Uh, and then we got on the call and you were like, I'm just so I'm itching to talk about this indie car drama. And I'm like, now I got to know. So what's up? What happened? What's what's the deal? Was this so wait, real quick? You s- set the table for me. Because the only thing I know about indie car drama is someone someone had a heated gamer moment in, uh-huh. in racing recently. But I don't know if that was indie car or something. That was else. NASCAR. OK. Oh, we, OK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, Vir- virtual NASCAR, real NASCAR. Those are the same thing now. Yeah, sort of. Uh, it was. The, I mean, they're real NASCAR drivers. Okay. Uh, it was a wow. NASCAR event. Uh, but we did have a a couple sort of uh, uh, what what would be the actual definition of heated gamer moments uh, is in poor play and poor attitudes. Uh, not necessarily the way we sort of talk around uh, racial epithets. Ah, okay. Uh, so that's what. Ha- <laughs> so what we had this weekend was uh, just some just some good old fashioned uh, griefing, but. The so to set the table a little bit, uh, the like all sports leagues, uh, motorsports is basically on hold, uh, due to the coronavirus crisis. 
And one of the things that they've done, uh, a lot of racing series have done versions of this, which is run sim racing events uh, because a lot of current drivers are pretty serious sim racers as well. IndyCar has had one of the more interesting and stronger offerings from that standpoint. They have been doing iRacing events for about six weeks, and a huge number of the actual IndyCar drivers are taking part. So... These the like weird thing is big, complex setups with like not just driving wheels, but driving chairs, two or three or four, three, probably three, I'm guessing, monitor set up. <laughs> so uh, that's more? Been a- can you go more? Uh, no, three okay. is about the, the limit of uh, good sense. Um, <laughs> but it, actually, even that has been interesting because there were there were guys who definitely came into the series who were already those super serious sim racers with the three monitor setup, right? The full like racing seats, like in a, in, in a suspension, uh, <laughs> to like provide like, uh, f- you know, that kind of force feedback, um, and put you like in the actual like racing position that these mm-hmm. guys, like that you'd have sort of in the car. And then there were dudes who were like, shit, I guess, uh, I'll run out to Best Buy and see if they've got a lodge <laughs> attack. Um, and, uh, so it's, it, that's been all over the map. Which is weird because I, I don't know if this is true for IndyCar. I think I know this is true for NASCAR. Like, th- to some degree in NASCAR, the there was a very thin difference allowed between cars. That, like, the notion is not come in with the best car you can build. It's, it's inside of this set of constraints, build the best car, have the best racer, uh, but th- those constraints demand a certain degree of uh, com- comparative quality or comparative, like, uh, basic level of competence between the-, the engines, the weights, stuff like that, to make sure that you're not just, like, blowing everyone out of the water. Is that true for Indy racing? Yeah, it actually is these days. Okay. Uh, I think it used to be less that kind of series. I think they used to have more room for technical uh, disparities between the teams. Uh, famously, there was a season where the uh, Penske team just dominated the entire season because I think they'd gotten like an advanced look at the rules for building engines and it basically found a loophole and like crash researched mm. a super engine uh, that like would just blow everyone out of the water if they managed to do it. There's, there's, a, there's a book written about this it's very cool uh this sort of like zero to 100 uh engine program that penske ran during an off season uh but those days are gone uh for a couple reasons indycar is not the series it was uh it's making it was on a bit of an upward trajectory in the last couple years but in the 90s indycar had a really famous uh split within its uh community and Basically, the sport divided in half and the ratings like collapsed and there was just a lot less money left in the sport and in its wake. And so as a result of that, it's a, it's a what they call a spec series uh, okay. where the cars are basically running to a very. Yeah, they're being kept to a technical specification. It's pretty rigid, uh, a bit like NASCAR. Not a lot of variance mm-hmm. um, in terms there of was, what you're allowed to do. There was a talk at one of the practice NYU Game Center practice conferences in the last five years that was from, I think, the person who balances NASCAR, someone who has helped to balance NASCAR, which was just like such a fascinating concept. Um, I'm pretty sure it was NASCAR, so people can go look that up on their own time. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so the reason I brought that up was just like, you've already introduced, like, I'm already rubbing my hands together. The idea <laughs> that like the the interface is not the same for everyone 
is already brilliant. Um, are there requirements? Like, do you need a wheel? If I got in here with an Xbox 360 controller, would they be like, no, that's not allowed? Uh, I don't know that they, I... They I'd probably might, be at, I would I probably be at a disadvantage, is my guess, because of Yeah, I think reasons, the thing that... But, so the thing that tends to like for like the thing that would actually screen you out there is you would have had to qualify like right sure uh, I mean, so yes. the thing they did this race <laughs> is well yeah but I mean there's certain there's going to be constraints imposed to make a to make a controller work with uh, a racing game you have to change how those control inputs are assessed by the machine right Ooh. so uh for instance like one of the things you'll notice if you play like forza for instance is if you throw the stick all the way to the stop through a high speed corner the wheel only turns a little bit but in a slow speed corner you throw the stick to the stop and suddenly the wheel spins a great deal and huh. because you're making a tight radius turn that's the you know you're not steering you are not interacting directly with the steering wheel right. uh, as it's represented in the game the game is judging based on the context okay so for a corner like this this is probably what austin wants to do uh, this is the maximum input yeah so that, like that's what it takes to make a steer that's what it takes to make a racing game feel right mm -hmm. with a uh with a control pad and if you take that stuff away to have the full range of controls, you know, on a on a control pad, it's just too finicky. Right, uh, right. It's basically okay. undrivable. Yeah. So if you were to take those those assists away, which a, an event like this absolutely would, uh, you know, not not let you have driver assists like that, mm -hmm. then you would just be you you'd be up against it. Uh, you know, there, there'd probably be no reasonable way to uh, compete. But it's not. I think a big part of it is just there are. There are guys who just want this to feel like the real thing, right? And who treat this very seriously as a train. You know, people were driving like this before. For them, it's both a serious hobby and also a training exercise. And then there are people who have ignored sim racing, and then the series started. It got pretty serious pretty fast, and they started steadily upgrading their kit like week in week out being like okay oh, uh so logistic wasn't quite good enough what if i uh what do i put a fanatec uh pedal combo down there and replace the uh the stock logitech one so that's kind of the process they've been they've been going through um but i will say like the it's been a fascinating series they've done uh the approach they've taken with indycar and is is that they basically left the nbc broadcast intact it's the same commentary team wow uh, and they have the same shit they have in the regular races so what i mean by that is before like before the start of every race they have you know because this is american motorsports they have a dedication they have a prayer oh, before wow. each race wow. uh, from the chaplain they've been doing that before these races uh they have had people performing the national anthem before each of these races. Uh, and that's kind of the, the way they've gone about. It. They're trying to mimic the actual production of an actual IndyCar race. And when it started, it was very funny. You would have like the chaplain or the pastor or whatever would just be on their webcam in their house <laughs> providing the right. prayer. Um, and the prayer is always like, you know, to uh, people, you know, suffering from the illness, people who are working in hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, they weren't like praying for the safety of drivers, you know, please let the Fanatec wheel not fall <laughs> off. It's <laughs> like crush anyone. Uh, they, they didn't lose it like that. Uh, and then you have like singers also like singing in there. Like, I think they had an American 
uh, idol contestant. Uh, she sang a very good national anthem, but like, through her headset mic, of I think, in like her bedroom. It was great. Incredible. Uh, <laughs> Raw gamers this, now. <laughs> for this most recent one, though, uh, they pulled out all the stops. They had like the Indianapolis Fire Department, uh, oh like God. barbershop quartet, sing the national anthem. And they had like a live shot of this. Um, they had the... The chaplain of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I want to say, uh, uh, like at the track, uh, you know, providing wait, the prayer and the at the track or at the the digital the track, track like, or at the real no, track? the real track. So like they, they, they did. Oh wow! They did a cutaway shot to him, like okay, at wait, Indy. Were there other racers at the real track? Like no. they just okay. Then I have a, a, a side question: Why does the NBC Sports page have photos of the victor celebrating as if he were really there? I need a link now. Okay. <laughs> it's NBCSports.com slash motors. Uh, and here is the winner with a laurel around or like a wreath around his his. Okay, deck. yeah. So these the, are old photos, right? These are old photos of these dudes winning races. That's yeah, yeah. So, so, but then you that's scroll him down. in a Molson 500 wreath. Okay. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. You scroll down and there are just game screenshots here. Yeah, for sure. A car in the air next to a blimp. What happened here? I guess you're going to get there. I guess you're going to get to why this is a photo <laughs> that I'm looking at now. Okay, so the service they've been using to do this is uh, iRacing. Yes. And iRacing actually has a pretty good pedigree in Indy in particular. Uh, the company was founded by David, uh, apologies if I get the name wrong here, uh, Keimer. And he actually made like the first great indie sim uh just called like the indianapolis 500 i mm. played it when I was a kid it came out in 1989 uh very crude by today's standards but like you know had actual tire wear actual like car setup and like uh you know captured the essence of racing on a banked oval uh the, most famously he and this was sort of where he left the realm of the casual approachable racer uh he made grand prix legends uh, which is the racing sim about the 1967-68 Formula oh. One season, uh, which famously is like one of the greatest sims ever made and also was kind of the um, the great filter between serious sim racers and casuals. Uh, that's where I discovered I was a casual. Ah, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> Because like, that how thing, the story about to break. The story's about to break one of one of two ways. Oh yeah. No, that thing was like I was like, yeah, I played a lot of IndyCar racing because those are just two games, IndyCar racing, IndyCar racing too. I was like, I played a lot of those. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I can't wait to see what these old F1 cars were like. And then my entire experience with Grand Prix Legends was David Keimer just basically like savagely punching me in the face just again and again being like, Oh, you think you can drive F1, huh? Wham. Because like, these are cars with no Go back force. to need for speed. Like that yeah. sort of. And I did. Right. I was like, You're yes. right. You know what? You're right. I don't belong here. Uh, this is this. I'm not about this life. Uh, so after that though, it was like, Keimer, I think, shut down his old company, Papyrus, back then and started something new because at this point he just fully moved into uh, hobby grade racing, racing sims, uh, as it were. And iRacing, it's what set it apart was not just that it was online, but that they were going to do. um, There were two things. One, it was going to be super realistic, right down to the fact that they laser scan the track surfaces 
uh, at each of these, at each of the tracks that are modeled in the game, um, which is pretty important because uh, the like if there is a like if there's a really bumpy part of the track, if you model that as flat, you've profoundly changed the way it drives, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, a bumpy part of the track. Uh, completely upsets a car and unbalances it. And if you take that away like that, like it it becomes a different track effectively. So that was one of the big changes he made. But the other thing that iRacing did was they enforced like rules and standards. If you were, if you logged on to iRacing and you were like, you know, it'd be fun as if at the start of the race, I turn the car around and race backwards and see how many people I could take out. If you did that in iRacing, you would be banned. Like you get penalized first and then you be, you might eventually just be like kicked off the service. Well, this, um, is, this is the sort of thing that like, uh, as far as I remember, iRacing has like, even if you're not playing iRacing at the, at the literal professional level now, you are signing up for qualifiers that are scheduled and then yes. you sign up for races that are scheduled. This is not, this is not like, let me hop into matchmaking real quick. The game. <laughs> this is yeah really having, this is like going for, from the jump, a sort of professionalized uh, variation on on sim racing. Yeah, and now there's a lot of there's a lot of games now that are taking uh, pages from that book. You know, I think Gran Turismo, Gran Turismo has moved the in this same direction, thing, right? Or like yeah. their whole thing had been like the the most recent Gran Turismo had the whole system of like scoring you, not just scoring you, but having sportsmanship as like yep. literally a thing that it was tracking to to prevent things like what you said, turning around and racing into traffic. Yeah, and I, you know, it, it's which I I don't know. Did that find an audience, or was Gran Turismo positioned such that it was like the arcade racers sim versus the sim racers sim? Do you know what yeah. I mean? I don't know how Gran Turismo did overall. I think it might have ended up in an awkward place where it was too hardcore for people who liked uh, stuff like Forza, like holding a and, PlayStation, you know, four. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't find it a lot. Like. Because if I wanted that experience, I wasn't going to play it on PlayStation, right? right? Like, I played a little Gran Turismo, and I'm like, this is cool. I think 10 years ago, I would have been really into this. Mm-hmm. But now, mm-hmm. like, I can just go to my PC, and if I wanted to do this, I'd be racing iRacing, right? Or I can get involved in serious, um, you know, leagues in, like, the F1 games. Right. Anyway, though, so I say all this because one of the things that is endemic to iRacing is that you behave yourself. You take it pretty seriously, right? You do not like, yes, like it's, it's just a game. Like it's, it's not, there are not real physical stakes in the way but there you, are in real race. But you play but, like there were and do you, yeah. and you don't, and you, does this mean that there are sort of like strategies that are off limits because even though they, they, I'm sure there are things that happen on the real racetrack or things that could happen on the real racetrack that don't because of a degree of risk involved. But like, yes. Hey, this could like, this could be a play we do, or this could be a, I could, I could cut that corner a little tighter if it, but, but if I fuck up, I'm, I'm literally dead. And so I'm not going to do that. Or you know what I mean? Stuff like that is, is just, yeah. that's just sports. That's just sports, right? Sports involves a subset of activities that could work, but are often too dangerous to, for their risk to, or for their, for their outcome to outweigh the risk involved in taking it. Right. Like two weeks ago, uh, this guy, Oliver Askew, was racing at, they were doing a sim race, I think at Motegi. And he did a move, basically, he tried to pass through a corner in right. a really harebrained way that if someone had done that in real life, um, 
like probable bans uh, at right. the end of that. Wow. Right. Like if somebody had done that in a real race, um, possible there'd be a brawl in, in the pit lane afterwards. Uh, but for sure there would be consequences in the following races because it was a sim. It was more looked at. That was not a smart move, but like it wasn't criminally negligent. Right. Uh, but you're still what you will still, what, what is still very frowned on is, intentionally like griefing somebody or going out of your way to screw up someone's race. This is the thing that caused one of the other scandals in NASCAR, not the dude who uh, just screamed the N word as he locked onto a stream, but the dude who just like rage quit on a race. Uh, One of his, one of the other NASCAR drivers just came across the track and like blindsided him just to mess with him and like did it twice at the like at the start of a race and dude was like, I'm not finishing this race. Like, like I've been taken out. I'm done. This, this sucks. Um, and he got dragged for being a quitter, but I watched the replay and I was like, no, the hell with that. Like, why would like at that point you're out of contention. You're going to what sit there for another hour, uh, after someone thought it'd be funny to, to screw up your day. The hell yeah. with that. Uh, which brings us to what happened this weekend. Last bit of context I'll provide is two weeks ago, uh, there's this F1 driver, Lando Norris. He Love is his name already. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Finally, some Lando representation. <laughs> uh, Norris is the F1 driver most notable for streaming a lot. Ah. Uh, he's a 20 year old. He's a 20 year old, 21 year old McLaren driver. OK. Uh, he got into streaming via PUBG. Oh, so that means at 20 years old, he was definitely actually named for Lando Calrissian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> that motherfucker was born in 1999. <laughs> Turning to dust. Yeah, dog, we're old. Uh. <laughs> like, yeah, he's been racing since he was like. 10 years old. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, he's well known in the same community. Uh, not always for good things. Like he's a kid. He's, right, he's done a kid. Some he's a kid things on the track. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but for the most part, like he's, he's really fucking good at iRacing Wait, as you are when you were 20 years old, you've been playing something since you were 10. Like that game is your game in a way right. that he's also other games will never be actual F1 racer to be clear. Yes. Okay. But uh, he grew up playing Sims. This was like, he was in it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and now he's off to being what appears to be a very good F1 driver uh, as well. But because he's so well known for playing these sim races, uh, IndyCar invited him to their last race, um, the race at Circuit of the Americas. And that oh. is a race that F1 also races. Okay. And uh, Lando showed up and just fucking wrecked house. Sure. Uh, like... The pole time, I want to say he was uh, at least like a half second faster than the second fastest guy in a in a race where the, the car setups are locked. Half second per lap is is pretty wild. Right. Um, so like he was dominant in qualifying and then during the race, he just smoked. Everyone. Right. You merely adopted the sim. I was born in it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and so it was kind of like a little bit of. um Definitely a humbling going on because uh, here's a guy who doesn't drive Indy. But, you know, they say he's not an Indy driver, except if he's driving IndyCar and iRacing, certainly he's probably logged a ton of right. time in that sort of sim. Either way, he, you know, beat everyone up. This in is that game. this is this is this is the dream as someone who grew up in the Attitude Era of wrestling. This is what if the NWO had come to the WWF at the time and wrecked shop? I love to see it. 
That's what I want oh, to say. Yeah. yeah, and he just, uh, he did. And so because he won this race pretty handily, uh, he was invited to the season finale, which they decided was going to be, fittingly enough, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Right. Not taking the, uh, the place of the Indianapolis 500, presumably, but... Yeah, but just as but, a, hey, you know, yeah, yeah, as a nod, it's May, whatever. So uh, th- this weekend they, they did the race and he wasn't as dominant in qualifying because he's not an oval driver that often, uh, but he, he came in second in qualifying. Uh, he had a good shot to win and it was a great race. Like the thing I need to emphasize throughout this IndyCar series mm-hmm. is the racing's been like fantastic. Um I racing is an uncannily convincing sim to the point where like to your eye, it just looks right. Uh, the movement of the cars, the right. dynamics. And as like, a spectator, you're saying, because I think one of the things that comes up with less with sims and more maybe with strategy games uh, is that there's often a divide between are we simulating the 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 event, the the history, the, the thing, yeah. the reality, or are we trying to improve? In uh, evoke for the player the sense of the thing. And I can imagine in a racing game specifically that there could be certain things done to evoke the feeling of racing, but not necessarily that wouldn't necessarily translate to the spectatorship of it in a way that would create racing moments that felt that felt genuine to you as someone who is a fan of racing. Yeah, and I think you you can see Sims that don't pull that off. I think most of them don't. Mm. Uh, where, however convincing they are, we have a big game out there right now is R Factor. Okay. Uh, for whatever reason, R Factor races do not look as convincing to me, and I think it might be just because the um, camera controls for like observers and mm. spectating are just less good. Uh, it might be the implementation is less good, but it just never looks quite right. They don't have like the broadcast angles right. uh, set up very well. Uh, in iRacing, like the camera has sort of a laggy tracking that looks right. Um, Drew Scanlon's <laughs> talked about this. If a camera's tracking a car and the car is always at zero zero on the coordinate plane of the screen, that just looks wrong. No cam, no camera right. person in the world is going to be that locked. Like there's a momentum to the camera. Uh, what is the camera mounted on? All of that stuff roughly feels right in iRacing. So, like as a spectator, it looks seamless. But most, most important, the car's movements look perfect. Dude, I just uh, clicked to a random moment in this video. This, so this is IndyCar. I was just iRacing Challenge Round Six. Is that what this is? Yes, dude. I clicked to a random moment. I was, I was like, I knew what I was clicking on, and it still got me for like, <laughs> it got the the like background lizard part of my brain. Do you know what I mean? I was like, that's a real yeah. car. Get out of the way. Don't go near those. Those are dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and like it's been it's been like that and like when the racing is close these guys give a shit about it and you see some and in part because maybe the danger is not physical uh in this you do see slightly more edgy racing because like look you know you can try some things and try to make it work in a sim that you know, both fear and good judgment would would make you never try in in the real world. I just, I think I just saw one such moment, Rob. Did you find the thing? Well, I don't know if I found the thing. Was it how? Is many, it late in the race? Uh, it is fifty six minutes into this stream, and I don't know why the fuck anyone would do the thing I just saw. I'm gonna share this link. It's it is. I'm at thirty three. Uh, I guess three thousand three hundred sixty seconds in. Maybe this is too far. Maybe this is already past the thing, or maybe it was a it was a replay. Yeah, fifty six. 18 ish is what I clicked to. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. okay, is this the thing? Can you explain what's going on here? All right. Okay. 
so we got two guys going two side by side through the corner. Third guy's in the draft behind uh, Davison. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was a that was a bad decision. Okay, so what you saw there, uh, yeah, two guys going side by side through the corner at Indy. There's there's two lines. You can fit three cars side by side, but you really shouldn't. Okay. Um, but there is an outside line and inside line that both uh, the two drivers can take at once. Then you had a third guy coming up from behind, and uh, you're familiar with drafting. You, yeah, you played racing games. Yeah, so you have you two know, cars. You know one car behind the other car gets a benefit. Uh, because of slip slipstream, because of uh, because of um, yeah. yeah, basically right. Like there's uh, yeah, the aerodynamics punch through the air, right? Yeah. So the the car behind it doesn't have to punch through the air because the air has already been punched through, which means that you can kind of gain. It's not it's not just speed, but like you can kind of slingshot past someone in racing games after yeah. kind of trailing behind them for a little bit. And at oval racing, that is where this this effect is maximized. Okay, uh, so because you have these like, long straightaways. Where you yeah. can build that up, and then and then is the idea then you pass them. When do when do you when do you utilize that that? Oh well, this is why this accident <laughs> went so bad. Ah. It is at its most powerful. Like the later you can hold it, the better it is. Uh, the way I've heard it described is like when you're in the slipstream in an oval like this. As you get closer, it goes from being like a little less air resistance to almost being like the back of the other guy's car is vacuuming you up. Holy like shit! You, you, like they describe it as the toe. Like you were just hauled in. Uh, and the closer you get, the faster, like you start picking up speed. And so like the thing you want to do is leave it to the last possible moment. You cut out into the, what they call the, uh, the clean air at that point. Like you, you get out of the draft, uh, by that point you've picked up enough momentum that the speed just carries you through and past them. Uh, and so you, you'll see like races where arguably late in the race, you don't want to be in first. You want to be in second because mm. uh, then you're in the attack. You can go into that attack mode and get that advantage. This guy uh, was coming up on two drivers side by side who are already in their duel. He got in the toe and then he just didn't know where to go. You know what I mean? Like you right. see him bobble back there. He's like he's coming up fast. He's got the toe at like maximum strength. Yeah, it looks and like the car is being tractor beamed forward and it's like shaking in the, in the it's like the Millennium Falcon is being sh- is trying to shake its way out of or into freedom. It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, he just got he lost, he he didn't know like you can see he's like can I go outside? He realizes there's no space on the outside because wow. there's a wall and they're coming up in a corner. Uh and then he tries to cut back inside but there's another car there and at that point he's just carrying too much speed and uh he basically just <laughs> dives into both well what, wait uh, but the thing i'm seeing here is so he's like bouncing between the two who's always who's who, uh, which one is the kid was the kid one of these three no oh uh, this okay is, this is much earlier in the race oh, oh. i see I see. This uh, is, but this that is, was just. But this is a, this is a situation where you're like, oh, in real life, I would have hit the brakes. I wouldn't have gotten that close because I would have instantly known that is too dangerous to do in this scenario. Yeah, probably like, ideally. Uh, okay. But that is actually a thing. You you will see guys. That's actually a pretty normal incident in some ways. Okay. Like you you'd still be considered a fool for doing something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is also the sort of thing where. These things happen fast, and it can still surprise you when you get that toe. Right. Uh, and so, like, you will still see guys run into one of these situations where they're setting themselves up for a pass, and then the door is just closed when mm-hmm. they get there, uh, and then they don't know what to do. And it's tough to, like, it's tough to break your way out of these problems on an oval, because uh, once you're up on the banking, uh, you're kind of, like, 
you can let off, but you're actually really limited in how much break you can apply. Right. Uh, so it, it can get it can get pretty dicey. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, it's a it was a hell of a race. It was full of stuff like that. Uh, the battling at the front uh, was really terrific. And. But about ten laps to go, uh, it so was even sort further of, in the race than this first act. Is this is this even the first accident? Were there other accidents in this race? Yeah, there were, and okay. I will say Just a um, messy day on the track. Not particularly, but there were oh, a couple. Okay. There were a couple major incidents um, where, like, the other thing I'll say is that I racing the racing is very convincing, but the physics of the collisions are not. Uh, I think they're running <laughs> low damage, uh, sure. and so like cars don't lo- lose lose. Um, velocity in an accident the way they do in the real world mm. uh and so like once a car goes airborne it just starts rocketing around the track like Amazing. it looks like a physics glitch <laughs> uh and so like the the accents tend to be pretty comical in a very video gamey sort of way yeah. and it also means they tend to propagate more because like in the real world a car goes up into the wall it crumples there right. and it like ends up skidding along the wall. Everyone else in, slides past it and yeah, yeah. move on. Yeah. In iRacing, there's a good chance that car is going to hit the wall, spin up into the catch fencing, and then start like barrel rolling around the track <laughs> and like a like a katamari <laughs> just collecting other cars. Like there's a decent chance that will happen. Uh so yeah, with uh, with, with a number of laps to go, uh, it had it was it was down to um, it was down to Lando Norris, twenty year old, grew up with Sims. Yep. Uh, this dude Graham Rahal, son of Bobby Rahal, uh, a a accomplished IndyCar driver in his Sounds own like right. Sounds like a British lord. Okay, about as American as you get, if I can no, recall. I'm pretty that. sure he's a British lord. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then Simon Paginot, uh, or Paginot, uh, who is a French driver yeah. who is prior to this best known for uh, like endurance racing. He was part of the Peugeot program uh, for the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I'm going to choose and, to believe he writes vampire fiction. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, that I just have to get these characters in my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, so... Okay, so the thing about Pagano, real quick, oh. is that everyone's like, how serious am I going to be? How like how seriously do I take this? There's guys who are like, you know, I think like there's dudes who are just, okay, I'll throw this in my computer monitor. I'll race right. my little, uh, you know, Logitech thing. Paginode has shown up to multiple races. He's got the three monitor set up, no doubt, no doubt. The, you know, the, the Thrustmaster and Fanatec, everything across the board. Uh, also, wearing his fucking fire suit. <laughs> Which, okay so he's like in full he's like this is real to me i'm i'm in yes it. yeah yes wow. this is he is it's real to me i'm larping uh sim racer <laughs> right. yeah which is fine sure. listen i don't whatever you need to get get you in the first place maybe you listen i put on jeans before i do a podcast i don't need to put on i'm in my house i have my doors are closed i'm on a <laughs> higher floor people can't see up into my room and under my desk i could be wearing boxers right now i'm wearing jeans i'm an adult uh, I have to I have to cosplay as an adult who goes to the office still uh, an office that lets me wear jeans. So maybe I get it. I get it. You got to put on your fire suit, which is like that cool jumpsuit that racers have. I'm guessing not a, yeah. not a, not like a firefighter's outfit. 
Right. Uh, Would it be although, cool, I mean, under- though, if instead he showed up wearing a firefighter's outfit? <laughs> uniform. Outfit makes it sound like a costume. Uniform is what I mean, not outfit. Yeah. I think if you're not a firefighter, though, you're wearing an outfit. You are. You're, you're, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> It is a costume at that yes, point. At that like, point, yeah. I just, I just love dressing up like a fireman. Yeah. That's it's it's, it's the best. This fits for me. No, this is not a uniform. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not officially like allowed to wear. Oh, this. is there a problem? Ah, uh, uh, mm, you need to look for someone else. <laughs> oh, you say this is not You say impersonation. I say I'm wearing an outfit. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so so passionate's been running around like been doing these races in his fire suit he's been really he been good, good? Uh, okay yeah, the yeah, series yeah. Okay. yeah he's he's uh he won the championship well, also, is I, there an element, I know i'm just i know i'm just i'm just like firing questions at you non yeah, no i worries. know you're trying to get through this but i'm just so fascinated i hope my enthusiasm is more positive than negative uh, is there a degree so on on is there a degree of stream culture that's taken over here where like people like to okay hmm can you watch this from anyone's perspective, or can you only watch the broadcast? You can only watch the broadcast. Oh, we're coming to this. Ooh, <laughs> I'm excited because what I was gonna say is the idea of like Twitch personalities and streamer culture is such that like you get a certain degree of access to people. Do you know what I mean? Like you get like, and people play it up. Like the idea of like, oh yeah, he wears his fire suit. Like yeah, probably because he's fucking showing off to his Twitch fans. But I didn't actually. I don't actually know if that's true because I don't know if you're allowed to just stream your shit off the side. I don't know. Uh, here, let me, um, are you, is there a link coming? I'm excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. So let me. Okay. So, uh, late in the race, um, do you like okay, I'll give you, I'll give you the setup. I'll give you the, hang on. Okay. I'll give you the setup before you see this clip. Okay. Real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. We have ten laps to go. Uh, it's Graham Rahal, Landon Norris, and Simon Paginot. Yes, Norris is on the freshest tires of the bunch uh, by several laps, which means that he's got much greater track adhesion. Which means he can do things the other guys can't anymore, right? Mm. Like he can, like his car is like glued to the track surface. These <laughs> other guys, as they go through these corners, they will drift a little bit more. Uh, like the, you know, the. Uh, the centrifugal forces are like trying to pull the car up the banking to the wall in, in, in some ways. Uh, they are fighting against that a little more. They're having a harder time fighting against that than like say Norris. Okay. Uh, so Norris makes this move down the inside. Uh, there's not much daylight there, but there's just enough room to fit a car through classic. You probably wouldn't try that in the real world, but like sure. he's trying in a sim <laughs> Ray Hall's in the middle there. Ray Hall realizes he's there and flinches. Now, some people have seen the clip say, like, it might have also been netcode glitch, glitch sure. uh, mis- like misinterpreting what Ray Hall was trying to do. Either way, Ray Hall basically, like, flinches and veers up the track a little bit into the outside line where Paginot is and takes him out. Ooh. Norris has got the lead. Paginot and Ray Hall are out. And uh, it turns into a three-way race between uh, McLaren drivers, uh, Landon Norris, uh, oh. Patricio Award, and Oliver Askew. Oh, uh, and they're so all on the same Pat- team, which is a Ugh. complicated thing in racing that I don't quite understand, but I get yeah. it. They're still on the same team. 
Sort of, yeah, I mean, sort of, like, the McLaren IndyCar effort is really immature. Okay. So the team, like, this this would have been the first year of them being a proper team. So I in see. some ways, like, they're kind of free agents, but they are, they're all wearing the team colors. They look like a racing team in this moment. Uh, anyway, so they are now racing for the lead uh, with about, like, four laps to go. This should start you around an hour 12. Okay. Is that yeah, uh, one twelve twenty seven. 12, 27. So I just go ahead yeah. and hit play here? Yep. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm gonna count y'all. I'm gonna count you in. Kyle. Norris is in the orange with the uh, neon blue on the top, okay. so he's in the front there. Okay, and then the other two behind him are the Firestone team, or all three. It's all the oranges are McLaren. Okay, McLaren. Sorry, I said Firestone. I don't the know why I said that. The red guy is Marcus Erickson, who's an XF1 car. Okay, F1. Driver. Ready, ready, Kato. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. This just looks like racing to me. Yeah, those are real cars. Yeah, so you got Erickson coming along yeah, fast. Ooh. Yeah, um, we're trying to make a play. And so, yeah, Erickson, uh, also an F1 driver, um, moved over to IndyCar a year or so ago. Um, it's amazing yeah, how much the presentation on this does for making it like emotionally intense and real. Yeah. <laughs> Just having the NBC commentary team makes this. Also, the sound is like pitch perfect of these engines. The the sound is the the Dopplers that go by. Yeah, it's, it's really it's good. Three laps to go, huh? Or is it three? Yeah. Okay. We are not like it's going to happen before the. Uh, we're we're almost there. Okay. Um. No, I just went three so, laps to go. Oh, oh, what the? Fuck? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, the Wait. highlighter yellow car that's flying through the air. That's Paginot. <laughs> oh no. So was he getting lapped at that point? Yes, he was, Kato. Yes, he was. Fuck. <laughs> what? So, so what? Okay. So yes. let's pause here. Let's yes. pause here. Uh-huh, I'm pause. And let me give you another video. Okay. Uh, <laughs> start playing the Phoenix Wright music as Rob starts to lay out evidence. Okay. Because uh, so. I would say the, the video that Rob just showed us did include some of the the drama that we've talked about here, but the camera angle is not necessarily clear. I'm watching it again and again, and I see the, uh, the, the, um, what was the, what's the team? I forget the team. I've already forgotten it again. McLaren. McLaren team, like clearing this corner, the three of them, and then a yellow car just flipping around. (laughs) Like a nightmare. Well, because the camera is not watching Norris, right? No. Like, Norris keeps leaving the frame because the real action is Erickson moving through the field. Right, right. Uh, So we don't see what happens. And then this yellow car just starts b-boying through the the field. Yeah. So, (laughs) exactly. So, uh, also streaming was uh, Simon Paginode's spotter. Uh, Basically, they had a whole stream set up where you had the perspective from Paginode and then sort of hosting the stream was his spotter, uh, Ben Bretzman. Uh, and this I think begins at the moment where, la- where he ended up being taken out by Ray Hall and, uh, Norris. All right. Ready to count me. So the wait. title might give the game away. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Excuse okay. me. Uh huh. <laughs> Let's take Lando uh-huh. out. Full incident. Wow. Oh my god! All right, ready to count? Count me in on this one, Kato. Or do yeah. you ready to get count? Okay, three, two, one, go.
Oh my god. No. He's pissed at Norris for causing it, even though I would still say like Ray Hall probably oh. caused that more than oh. he did. Okay. okay. So So you're allowed to go into the pits and get magically repaired in this game. Um so you've got Pagano like deciding what to do. His car's all fucked up. Yeah. So this is when uh, it, this is when is this happening? When is this? This is this was like seconds this, after. When when is this? This was like a couple minutes before the clip we just saw. Okay, that's okay. I was trying to figure out is this right. a response or this is okay. So this is this is before that happened. Simon had been in another accident right. that he is now attributing to Lando. Right. So skip to about a uh, minute ten. Okay. In this video? Yep, skipping now. As he's yeah, he's coming out of a pit box. Yeah. He said, let's do it. Ha ha ha. Yeah, well take, I'm gonna well, take Lando out. Let's do it. Wow. Now listen. Uh so you got the track map there. His spotter is talking him into Lando. He's telling him where Lando is. Wow. Yeah. So his land is spotter. And this is just is streaming out on Twitch or on YouTube or something else? Yeah, yeah. Holy so shit. So this this highlight doesn't even do the full clip justice. The full clip, it takes a couple minutes to arrange the intercept. His spotter is basically telling him, okay, Lando's like 12 seconds back. Lando right. is eight seconds back. Because you don't have... And, so also, 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 he's racing in third person? No, he isn't. We're viewing in uh, third person. No, this he's is the spotter cam. I see. Yes, 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 this yes. Is, yeah, this is the spotter cam. Now view. I see. Uh, yeah. So the other, the other thing is, in the on the microphone about... 30 seconds before the actual uh, collision with with Lando, you hear somebody else on his comms, uh, not his spotter, but someone else, I think, from uh, maybe the Penske org or just maybe another driver. But you hear a dude say, uh, hey, just make sure you don't do anything you're going to regret. And Paginot's like, what? No, I'm not going to regret anything. I'm racing. Uh, and then the minute he causes this accident, he's like, oh, gee, I was oh, I was trying to pit. Mm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Just like someone uh, who writes vampire geez. fiction would say. <laughs> so, so it's one of those things where uh, genuinely, I think, like, he realized he'd fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, the minute you yes. do something, you realize, like, uh-oh. <laughs> yep. Like, Hand oh, then, the that, didn't re- that didn't read as funny. No. Oh, no. people aren't laughing. <laughs> oh. Uh, gee, I I didn't actually mean to do the thing. Oh, <laughs> no, I, you thought I was uh, trolling. No, no, I just that was an accident. I'm sorry. I know that I'd said let's take Lando out, but uh, but I did I not meant, actually. Your Honor, I meant I did to not a nice mean. pancake breakfast the next morning. I was thinking we should go out, uh, and I I mean I know social distancing is in effect, but like via Zoom, I thought we could go out together and have a nice meal. <laughs> That's what I meant. So. So, um, this was not the end of the story, by the way. The end of the IndyCar race, we don't need to see this clip, but so Erickson moved into the lead in the wake of all of this. Sure. And Ferrucci, uh, at the very end of the race, just fucking takes him out and, like, hits him on the uh, back tire and sort of it smooths like the car drives him into him. the wall? Uh, yeah, basically. Like, it does the classic, him, like, right. high-speed pursuit takeout move <laughs> right. of, like, hit the rear quarter panel and like, dump him in him. front of you. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then snowplow him. Uh, and so that's what he did. And he cost Erickson the, the win oh. uh, doing that. Here's the other thing about Ferrucci. Ferrucci was, like, drummed out of Formula 2 in Europe for being an abysmal 
uh, sport. Like, (laughs) like was driven out of open wheel racing in Europe in disgrace for being such a colossal jerk. Wow. Um, To the point, like to his teammate uh, as well. Like uh, you can like Jalopnik, I think did a number of stories on him, but like his, his track record in, uh, Europe was abysmal. And since he got back to the U.S., like there's been this effort to sort of rehabilitate his image uh, in part because he's a competitive American open wheel racer. There are not many of those. Right. Uh, right open wheel racing right. is not a format where American born drivers have tended to excel. Uh, and so there's always that desperation for, you know, uh-huh. where's somebody who, who wears the stars and stripes, you know, where can it like, where, uh, we, where can we find that driver, uh, in, in open wheel racing? Um, Pickens have been slim since the heyday of the Andretti's. Right. Sure. Uh, but for, so Ferrucci has like a bad body of work, uh, when it comes to this stuff. And again, if you watch the clip from his stream, when it happened, uh, he's on this comms with a bunch of other drivers and he's like, Haha, pretty funny, right, guys? And like, you just hear crickets in the chat and people being like, yeah, that didn't, uh, that wasn't a real good move, bro. So this is really that just bringing cool. out the worst in certain <laughs> drivers. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's uncanny the degree to which it all happens the last five minutes of like they've done six races for like five and nine tenths races. Right. It's been phenomenal. And, and then this last tenth, like, Right. Yeah. Not just the last, not just the last race, but like the final 10 the last minutes, 10 miles, last 10 miles. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like this, this last one that you're talking about happens in the final lap of the race, the, uh, yeah. the Ericsson knockout or whatever the fuck this is. That's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. So the, uh, so everything what, 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 is, what's the league doing or whatever? Well, that's the thing. Like it's not an IndyCar race. What I it's okay, also not, right. but it's also not an eye racing race. It mm. kind of like falls in this valley, but I right. think it, I like genuinely this all happened. I'm not sure what I think everyone kind of just wants to move on and pretend this didn't happen. But here's the problem. Wait, and then uh, also the person who wins is someone whose name we've never mentioned. Oh yeah, Scott McLaughlin. He was in like fifth or something when all this disaster <laughs> shit happened at the end. He, he was there. Yes, yeah. he showed up. Uh, Listen, he survived sometimes to the end. Hold, keeping your cool is is reward worthy. You know what I mean? You're just gonna be like, yeah. I, I don't know what the fuck is happening, man. I'm gonna get through it. I'm gonna just. <laughs> I'm gonna just keep my head on straight. The Ericsson and Ferrucci crashes are within like. 15 seconds of each other. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And dude, it, it sucked so much to watch it live because like, uh, MK and I were watching this oh. and like, we'd gone from like sort of being half invested to like the last 20 minutes of that race. were just riveting. Right. We were like, right. holy shit. Right. Holy shit. Uh, because like the cool thing about oval racing is they're going so fast. They are so close to each other. The margin for error is so minimal that it really is like, um, competitive performance flying right it's it's right. just ridiculous that people are doing this uh and then it all falls apart in the last like four laps God. and just the air let out of the whole event like just all the drama that had been built up just gone just a f- uh, this is this is again to put it in wrestling parlance this is like having your wrestlemania main event just like end up being a situation where like no one wins 
and the belt, you know, <laughs> whatever the 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 person who's holding the belt just decides to leave, or you know, there's interference yeah. and like, oh, they have to call the match off. Sorry, and it's like, well, no, like this is well, everyone was racing good. Everyone was this was a good one of these, and now it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and that's it's more like if that has to thing. happen after a botch, right? Someone botches yeah. something and they yeah, have to call really it early. Yeah, really bad. And they yeah, they call it early. Yeah, I mean, this is a situation where right, well, like, right, well. That's my question, Rob, is like, what's this mean for, because it calls into question, not the validity or something, but the, the it seems like the, the racing community had had found a way to continue despite not being able to have uh, material real life races, uh, you know, at real tracks. But this makes it feel like any of them could have the air let out of them at any moment. How do they yes. rebuild from this and like get it? It took it took a very intense race. It took till the last twenty minutes of an intense race for you who follows this to get deeply invested, uh, and who's already predisposed to liking eye racing. And I'm sure there are some fans who are like, "Fuck that shit." Um, but what do they do from here? How do they go back to rebuilding a sense of confidence in in eye racing as a, a model for continuing to do indie racing stuff and presumably Formula One stuff too during the the COVID stuff. Yeah, I mean, my my actual suggestion would be you kind of got to penalize this like you would a real race. And, uh. like, you know, maybe, like, in a real race, because of the safety issue, you'd probably be looking at a multi-race ban. Uh, but a case like this, you probably need to at least ban somebody for one race, uh -huh. right? Uh, be, because, like, it is one of those things where it's... We, you know, not to get all magic circle about the entire thing, but to an extent, like none of any of this matters when it comes to sports or competition, right? Like mm -hmm. not in the, not in the way that like, there's no intrinsic, there's no intrinsic reason why you should care. All these cars show up to a track in real life, virtually, which one's going to, which one's going to cross the finish line first. There's no intrinsic reason why anyone should care about that, right? Mm -hmm. There's no intrinsic reason why somebody shouldn't get a bee in their bonnet and decide like, fuck that guy and take him out. Like, I, you know, there's no, like, there's no, there's nothing, uh, like in, in intrinsic there to prevent any of that from happening or to like, like imbue the event with some sort of value, value or significance. Mm -hmm. It needs to be sort of collectively agreed upon. And the really frustrating thing here is uh, both Ferrucci and uh, Paginot have kind of taken the line of, well, you know, it's just a game. It's, you know, it's for, for laughs and fun at the end. And it's like, yeah, but the place to make that case isn't the last 10 miles of right, the race right. in a six race series, right? Like you, your opportunity to opt out or your opportunity to declare intent to not take this seriously was a long time ago. You don't get to play that move if you're the dude showing up to these things in a full on yeah. fucking fire suit uh, saying like, look how hardcore I am about this. Right. And then the minute you're taken out of contention, you decide, okay, well now it's for, now it's for trolling. Cause here's the other thing that does. It makes it all about you mm -hmm. and it's extra distasteful. Mind you, I think, I think the fetishization of like first responders tends to be a way that the U S tends to make itself feel better about its inability to address anything preventively yeah. or structurally. Uh, so we sort of pay a lot of lip service to people who clean up the messes uh, that we leave as a society and as a body politic. But nevertheless, the name of this thing was the first responders 175. Uh, they tried really hard to make it a somewhat like 
significant and not necessarily solemn feeling event, but with a with a bit of gravity, with a little like respect, mind being paid to what is happening in the broader world. And what Pachinot does there at the end is kind of makes it all about him, right? That's all anyone's going to be talking about at the end of this is what Simon Paginot did uh, and not the event, not what, not the race that happened, not what it does for the series and what it means for any of that. The entire thing becomes about what people are supposed to feel about Simon Paginot's terrible lapse in judgment or his funny trolling goof, whatever right. your perspective is. right. But either way, to take the attention that way, to monopolize the attention that way, is really poor form, no matter what it is you're doing. Right. I, I feel like this is so fascinating for, like, so many interlocking reasons that end up revolving as much around the individual actors here and how their particular penances, because all of them, of course, within this next week will, will you know, come out with some sort of with with a, a statement either in video form or on their notes app uh and we'll talk about how they've they've you know spoken to people close to them and how uh, they made a they made well, a bad decision this or is, whatever i am so but curious what's next? about that you think they won't yeah. you think that given the fact that it's the other thing that no one got hurt there was no risk of anyone getting hurt do you feel like that deflates the need for them to do that no I, I Dance. think part of it is the generational issue. Mm. Uh, so the interesting thing is, well, this is the Norris thing. is a st- – Right. This was not – I thought this whole story – you built it up such that I thought the, the story was going to go that the 20-year-old trolled the other people who were playing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But he is the one who was taking it the most seriously because to him, this has been part of his life his whole life. Right? Yeah. And he even – he got on a call with a Paginot after him. He was like, why did you do that? And Paginot mm-hmm. spun another lie. He was like, I'm, I was trying to slow you up so Oliver Askew could win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was just trying to slow you up. I didn't mean to take you out. But like the the thing that Norris said in the in the, in the conversation with Paginot was, uh, you know, basically this sucks because it's also just not, not about us. Mm-hmm. And not even just about like, uh, you know, the event, but also – most of these drivers have had various members of their broader racing team involved in this. Like right. racing strategists have been consulting on these things. Spotters have been used. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a lot of like the a lot of organization uh, like resources were brought to bear on these events to help mm-hmm. these drivers have good races. Uh, and that was the other thing that Norris was trying to argue, which is that look. Just like a real race, it is not about us. Like we are here as the tip of a spear being wielded by a broader support structure. Right. And again, like even in a sim, you're that's just really poor form to disrespect all that effort being put forth by a lot of people who don't, uh, who are not the face of the franchise uh-huh. the way drivers are. Uh, but I, the thing I'm really curious about is how this does play out because Norris is a streamer, and so. What he did as these clips came out is he jumped on a stream uh, with him and his buddy Max Verstappen, who's a uh, who is pro- one of the best Formula One drivers out there right now. Also a sim racing teammate of Norris's. So they're on different teams in F1, but they are racing teammates in sim racing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they like shoot the shit all the time. So they stream together a ton. So what they did was they watched the uh, POV clips from pageant out stream and commented on them and just like, we're dunking on him uh, throughout and like, just talking about like how transparently full of shit he was about his explanations and his lies. Pageant out has like said nothing like just apologized. And then like, it's been mums the word uh, since then. I, as of, as a recording, I still don't think he's, he's usually decently active on Twitter. Hasn't said anything right. since Saturday. Uh, and I don't think he's the sort of streamer that I don't think he's the one who's going to vlog an apology. I just don't mm-hmm. think he's that guy or he mm-hmm. hasn't been to date. Some guys are like um, Connor Daly, the guy who finished in second place also streams PUBG. Uh, when in his, in his post-race interview, uh, you'd see in the background, he had a God awful Dr. Disrespect poster uh, in oh the background. God. Um, but like also is part of the sim streaming community that like Lando's part of. And so he's kind of got the perspective of, no, this is pretty serious. Like this is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's tried to say above the fray, but so it's this weird generational thing where there are some drivers who 100% you would expect to put out the, Hey guys, uh, he, he want to talk to you about, you expect oh that God. from, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Lando's actually too smooth to do that. He would actually do something that feels much more authentic. He's very good mm-hmm. uh, at this sort of social media. Um, but I just don't see Paginout being that kind of guy to put that apology out in that way. My suspicion is my suspicion is it happens through a publicist. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see wow. Ferrucci putting out the insincere vlog. Uh, because he hey is of that generation. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Totally. That's that's his whole that's his whole deal is to seem like kind of cute and harmless. Mm-hmm. And it's only when you read about like what he's actually like been described of being like as a teammate and as a competitor that you realize like, oh man, I wouldn't like I wouldn't give this guy a twenty to go to go get something from the corner store. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. So, dude, I like your question. Like, where do you go from this? I don't know because. IndyCar really wants to get back to real racing as Mm -hmm. soon as humanly possible. They just want to like turn the page and be like, Hey, we're racing again. It's great. Uh, But I also think there's a lot of reason why you would want to have a viable streaming. Uh, I think sim racing is a good thing for motorsports. I think it for IndyCar in particular, it's been a decent substitute. It's a thing you could do in the off season. Uh, It's a thing you could do if God forbid another, another incident happens that makes travel and like public gatherings difficult or impossible right, sure. for some reason. Uh, so I think in, it's in IndyCar's reason, interest to protect sim racing in some ways, but I think it's also in their interest to forgive everyone their iRacing sins and just turn the page and get back to uh, real racing. Uh-huh. But I, I do think that this is sitting poorly enough in the motorsports community that there's not a lot of people who have Pagenaud's Corner and I think uh, I think they're probably going to have to do something uh, w- with him and, and, and possibly with Ferrucci as well. Well, Rob, thank you for, for bringing us this incredible iRacing drama, <laughs> uh, this incredible racing drama. And, you yeah. know, iRacing is the is the the I guess the medium, but the the drama, the drama is, is very much so just racing drama. Um, that's that's the real reason anyone's into the motor racing is the drama. <laughs> yeah. The stories, yeah. of course, of course. Um, I'd say let's take a quick break and we come back. We can talk about some other games. Thank you again, though, Rob, that is a sincere from my heart. I did not know any of this has happened and my day <laughs> has been made brighter for it. So 
And also, hey, it did, no one got hurt. Like that is at the right. end of the day, this is the sort of conversation that is much different if it's someone did this intentionally on the racetrack, which I think yep. complicates some of the the kind of easy way in which I think the 2010s led many of us, including me, to kind of elide the difference, but be like, well, okay, well, the virtual and the real are are uh, is a false binary. The virtual is real, which I still think is true. Uh, but it, but the fact that it's real simply means that we have to treat it for its own unique, real material characteristics. Right. And one of them is people don't get hurt physically when you pull a stunt like this. Um, <laughs> uh, and in fact, in fact, another material characteristic that's different is you're going to see a range of different apologies based on. Or, yeah. or different different ways of this, not apologies, but, but but after the fact handling of it because of the nature of of it being eye racing and not actually having happened at the Indianapolis Speedway, you know. Though I think you also put your finger in a weird tension. Mm. What do you you know? Right. If you're driving on an oval, if you're another IndyCar driver, what's your feeling about Pagenaud now? Mm -hmm. As you see him in your rear view, or as you see him in front of you on like an oval track or something, yeah. what like what's your trust level? In him. Right. On the one hand, he did it. It was a sim race. It wasn't real. On the other hand, he lost his cool and lashed out with his car in a race. Sim right. race or no, he was still that guy who liked the red mist. Right. No, if he just, does this for real in three years at a real race or something like it, the outcry will be, we knew. We saw him do yeah. this already. Mm -hmm. And steps weren't taken. And we let him back yeah. on the track where he put people at risk. And that is a really interesting element here because we I don't know that we've seen this particular thing yet um I, okay here my 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 case for it for treating it seriously is that the entire agreement the entire the entire event is based on an agreement that we're going to take this seriously right this was not if he was trolling in PUBG right uh, there's a degree to which is like, oh, whatever, there's a match every second, you know, <laughs> just join a new match if I get trolled. It sucks. Uh, it's miserable. But I don't think that that person would then like in a real gunfight, you know, situation, <laughs> throw me, team kill me or whatever. Right. This this is from the jump. Everyone is consenting to play according to the standards they hold themselves to in the at a race at a real track. Um, and that betraying that does to me communicate something about his willingness to throw stuff to the wind. Right. And like that is, yeah, that's a lot tougher to, to reconcile with when you say yes. And the circumstances that we find her. I mean, that's the other thing with the PUBG example. If Kato like team killed me in PUBG, guess what? Like Kato and I aren't ever in a battle royale in real life. We do a podcast right. together. <laughs> now, like maybe that means that when Kato, if Kato was ever like, Hey, uh, I got a weird favor to ask. I'd be like, Mm, uh, okay, I'm not going to hold on to that package for you, Kato. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't, you team killed me those times. I don't know if I can trust you. But in our day to day life, I'm not at risk of anything happening in a serious way because the thing that you and I do together, Kato, is see on a normal day, a normal week, is see each other twice a week for an hour in a podcast studio at our workplace. And that is it. Right. Um, 
whereas if I had to get on the court, the, the racetrack with you, uh, and you had been, I'm, I'm sorry for throwing you to the dogs here. Yeah. You've never yeah, been. Fine. You've done nothing that's but great. a great teammate in all the games we played together. <laughs> I've seen you be a leader in Destiny. I'm not trying to actually attack your your personage. I'm not trying to, to bring your, your character into question. But, but if the, there were an anti-Cotto. If there were some yeah, sort of anti-Cotto with an evil goatee, uh, that Cotto, that motherfucker, even then I'd be like, ugh. What I would do is complain to him about the uh, to the real Cotto. I'd be like, ugh, fucking anti-Cotto again. Yeah, but I wouldn't feel Bubble. like my life was at threat. I'd just be like, this guy's a fucking dick. Uh, yeah, yeah, he fucking sucks. Uh, and, and that's a different scenario than this person who is moving at 150 miles an hour behind me is trying to kill me. Uh, or might decide that that he wants me to lose so bad that he's going to risk both of our lives. Yeah, it's it's like one of those things where it's like you notice a it's almost like you notice a wet spot on your ceiling mm. and it goes away. You always want you know what I mean? You always wonder, like, <laughs> yeah. was that just a one? Like, did something spill upstairs? Also, the ceiling go like. Or is there something rotten in the structure? Or is there something, right, 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 exactly. You go upstairs, you pull the carpet back, you look like there's nothing here. What? Did something die in between the two? I'm just going to, I'm just going to paint over it and hope that it stops and it doesn't stop. And now you're in. You never fully don't think about it. Right. And now you're in the next season of Channel Zero. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Also, I said 150 miles an hour, thinking that I was going too fast. What a fool I was. Indy cars go up to 235 to 240 miles an hour on uh on tracks Damn. that's very fast yeah i don't want to do that with someone i trust <laughs> there are some oval there are some indie drivers who no longer drive the ovals God uh, damn. because that's when they've had the scariest and uh like most like most lethal accidents right. in, in cases right. but there's some guys who are just like no this ain't me anymore the uh-huh. reason indie cars look the way they do right now is because they keep trying to figure out ways to make them uh safer uh-huh. Uh, so they've enclosed the cockpit. Uh, they've, they've done a lot of things. But yeah, uh, this is oval racing is fast and it is scary and requires a lot of trust in each other's judgment. Right. Um, yeah. God. Okay. Well, let's take that break. When we come back, uh, I'll talk about some more stuff. BRB. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So I have a complaint to make. It's about Fallout 76. (laughs) Uh, I've been playing some Fallout 76. And... Greatest of the Bethesda Fallouts. I've heard that case made. Um, I've not played enough of it to make that judgment myself. So I played some Fallout 76 when it first came out um, uh, a year and a half ago or whatever, two years ago, whatever that was. They sent us a big, did we did ever tell that story about sending us the giant Fallout statue? Uh, I don't want to yeah, get into it. Maybe. Were you here for, you were here for that, that, right, Kato? Yeah. Or were you not here? Okay. Yeah, I'm no, sure I, helped, I saw the, the pallets that it oh came on being like. Oh my God, what a nightmare. This is too big. Not it's still there somewhere. 
Yeah, is I it? think it's a coat rack right now. That sounds right. <laughs> that sounds right. Shout outs to Fallout. Um, so Fallout didn't see that canvas bag though, did we? No, they they did send they sent us the other thing. They sent us the um the helmet, the Brotherhood of Steel helmet. Right. Yeah. Yes, so I, I remember had a voice modulator. Yeah, I definitely wore that. That was fun. Ah, <laughs> uh, the good old days. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> Fallout seventy six Wastelanders came out. Wastelanders came out, uh, and that's the the update to Fallout seventy six that includes now um, uh, NPCs. Uh, and you see them basically right out the gate, right? Like previously there had been some NPCs, like very, very, very few. All of them were robots. Uh, all of them had maybe two lines of dialogue, but there was no sense of, of factional interaction. There was no sense of like settlements popping up. There was no other than player made ones, but that, those didn't really ev- evoke the same feeling. There wasn't that sense of, hey, this is a fallout where I wander into a new place and there's people here and there's all these little quest lines to follow and blah, blah, blah. Um, I put like four or five hours in uh, over the weekend, um, and I'm still not – I still haven't seen much of that. Again, I'm still pretty early. Uh, what I've seen is like a, a few quest lines that do a better job of tutorializing you uh, in the beginning than what was previously there. Previously, you were basically following a set of hollow tapes as you tracked someone else from your – okay, let me set up this. Fallout 76 is a game in which the vault opens. Your vault opens earlier than most other vaults. And and all of your people have been equipped and trained, theoretically trained, to go out and recolonize America. Um, uh, there's there's like kind of a fun thing here, um, which is the entire premise of the Fallout seventy six uh, uh, vault. Um, if you know from the Fallout series, each vault kind of has like a twist, has like a little like, ooh, this is this is the one where we we piped in music, classical music, all the time as an experiment to see what would happen to people's minds if we made them listen to music all the time. This is the one where we put all the gangsters. There was a Fallout four one, which was very goofy, um, etc. Uh, and so. Uh, in vault for the vault 76 the one that you were part of you were being trained by vault tech to colonize america in the name of vault tech in america uh and especially vault tech um and to rebuild the nation state uh under uh under under one true leadership vault tech which they assume will be around in some some way um and the the kind of like a plot when the game came out was that the overseer of your vault had been given a second secret mission which was to go get control of all the nukes so that this would be what america was built on the back of again um and that she was like no that sounds bad actually um i know what you're thinking weird that then the way that the game works is you can go get those nukes and shoot them but that's how Fallout works, right? You get choices. That's it's all about choice. Uh, anyway, um, you now come out of the vault and immediately see people who are like, "Oh, is there treasure in there?" And you're like, "No." But the answer, of course, is yes. There's a ton of treasure because you start that game in a lush apartment inside your vault with like a guitar and a bunch of like junk food and board games and a TV. That sounds great. <laughs> it's incredible. So why would you leave? The reason you leave is because there's no food left in the vault um, because they only included enough wrap. But like I would simply leave the vault open as the centerpiece of my new civilization. I would simply include all of the infrastructure that was already in existence and use that as the headquarters of my new settling effort. Why would you not just include that rule? Ah, anyway, maybe Fallout 76 2 will include that. Um, the sorry, sorry, Fallout 762. That's the well, the way they'll do the sequel. Um, the thing that caught me off guard while playing this new update that had NPCs um, was the way in which 
you can feel, and I'm only a few hours in, so maybe this gets better, but you can feel the ways in which the NPCs were not meant for this world. Um, because the world wasn't built with NPCs in mind, and some of the systems weren't. Um, and in fact, I think I think there's some points of this that have a great deal of interesting kind of free zone, like a, a lot of really fun like friction with the differences between this game and past fallouts. Here's a big one. You can't save the game. You can't load a save and change your mind, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have a moment where you're like, what do I do with this quest? You are making a decision, right? And that is really fascinating and distinct because even though maybe you would have done that in a past fallout game, if immediately something breaks bad and you're like, ooh, I don't like the way that that dialogue went, you hit load, right? You're like, ah, that's not really what I meant. Ooh, I didn't think that this would break, like, I didn't think that this would make me such a villain. Or, ah, I kind of feel like maybe fuck this person, actually. (laughs) Let me go back and kill them or let me go back and rob them or whatever it is you do in your fallout game. You have that option. Here you do not. And so that's that's one piece where I think it works really well or or at least produces a different sort of experience. Um, uh, it, it certainly like changed the the posture I was playing in. Um, the second thing is, and I learned this, I learned this, I'll just tell you this quest. This is the, one of the first quests in the game. You go to the, so I'm going to spoil like the first quest in, in Fallout 76 Wastelanders, um, which is what you get as a new character. You find your way to a bar. Find your way to a bar, and in the bar is a dude holding the bar uh, up uh, and being like, you're going to tell me where that treasure is. And you walk in, and either you shoot the guy or you distract him or whatever, and he gets killed. Um, or in my game, he got killed. Uh, and you go to the bartender, and she's like, whew, are you one of those vault dwellers? And you're like, yeah. And then you can tell because of the blue and gold. And she's like, well, you know, I didn't know maybe you robbed the vault. Um, and I go, oh, fair. Uh, and uh, she basically says, hey, I'd love to help you out and help you get started and give you some information about where your overseer went because their whole kind of A plot is following the overseer's path, but I'll only do that if you help me out with these bandits who keep coming around. Um, and so she gives you this long quest string about trying to like figure out where the bandits are from, go either kill the leader or cut a deal with him or something, etc. Um, and so on that quest, there's a moment where it's like, okay, listen, you could just go, you found out where they are, you can go to the, the, the kind of lumber mill they've taken over, or you can uh, uh, first stop off at these two locations that we know about. We know that there's a family down the road from them and that cut their own deal, and maybe they have some information for you. And we know that there's like some other guy who I'm not even going to get into. He's a goofball uh, uh, who might be able to help you with something. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'll stop at the family and see if they have some information. Um, and it, it strikes me <laughs> as I enter this family farm, all of the absurdity of what's happening at once. Part of the absurdity, of course, is that it is the post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, Appalachia, uh, Appalachia, Appalachia. Am I fucking this up? The Appalachians? Appalachia. Appalachia. Both are fine. Both mm, are fine. Mm, I'm in my own brain about this, Rob. You got to pull me out of this. <laughs> I'm going to say Appalachia. Um, and uh, and you're there, and uh, it's like brightly lit from these generators. I don't know why their farm needs to be lit at night. I, I would think that in the post-apocalypse, you would save your fuel for like evening hours, but not middle of the night while people are sleeping hours. Uh, but no, they're running these like bright Christmas tree lights all across their, their farm. Um, and then like I go inside, and I'm like looking for someone, and... You know, there's a kid, there's a child, and they're like, you're not going to hurt us, right? Right, mister? And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, you know what? Fair. I'm a stranger. I've walked into their house. They don't know me. Maybe I'm here to hurt them. Uh, it's the post-apocalypse. 
Um, I'm here to hurt people. I am here to hurt people, just not these people. Uh, I killed seven people on the way here. Some of them were zombie people. We call them the Scorched. I don't know why at this point. What I do know is I killed them. Um, The dad is upstairs, and I go upstairs, and he is like, uh, hey, I don't want you around here. What do you what do you hear? Are you here to threaten us? Are you here to hurt us? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to figure out some information about those bandits up the way. Just a guy walking to your house. Yeah. Well, and at midnight, I guess I'll, I'll note something else. I didn't realize I didn't. I walked onto the house into the farm and I had been looting previously because everything had been empty. Uh, and outside I realized, oh, none of this stuff has uh, the steel icon on it. So I'm just going to take it like. There's a whole, like, seven workbenches set up here. You, you're out of your mind if I'm not going to take their duct tape and reduce it down to adhesive so that I can turn it into the adhesive I need to put this gun sight on my pipe rifle or whatever. Um, yeah, done. I did it. Um, I'm like, okay, well, this is like a friendly place, right? Because that happens in Fallout games. You go to a friendly place, and it's just like, oh, you take whatever you need. It's not a big deal. Um, so I talked to this guy and he is hostile because I'm in his house, which is fair. Uh, and, and, and because his life seems perilous, right? He's moved here. He wants to start a family. There's a point where I'm like, are you here for the treasure? And he's like, I built a farm. No, like I came here for <laughs> privacy. I'm moving to the middle of the woods for privacy. I wish I'd had the option to say like, if you want a privacy, you shouldn't have lit your thing up. Like it's fucking the independence day parade, but here you are. Um, uh, and finally at the end, he's like, oh yeah, here's the code to get to go talk to the leader of the bandits here like we have a, a special code word that lets us in so we can give him tribute basically and they will leave us alone every they don't know how to farm we know how to farm we farm we trade them that for protection ostensibly uh and i go all right cool thanks i'm out of here and he goes he's like good uh he's like good um I didn't want you here to begin with or something. And my answer is fine. And I hit fine. Uh, and then I go into his bathroom and take his plunger. Just like walk right across the hall, just take his plunger and leave. And the image of that is already like, okay, this is not quite the fallout I expected. Him being kind of mean to me made me think, not mean to me, he's in the right, to be clear, but prickly <laughs> about me robbing his house and asking and, and putting his already difficult position with the local bandit camp in even even a, a tenser situation. I, I suspect in real life, I would also be kind of upset about that. But he was not like the sort of like grinning traditional NPC who's like, they're right up the hill. If you could deal with, for, uh, with them for me, that would sure be great. Uh, and so instead, uh, I leave. I do some other side side quest stuff, and eventually I find my way to the bandit camp. The bandit camp is read by a group, run by a group called the Free Radicals, uh, and I say the, the code, which is uh, Blue Dan Danube, uh, and get inside and start just walking around. And I realize outside, I can pick anything up in this bandit camp. And it won't trigger anything because there's no stealing in this game because there's never been NPCs in this game. So there's never been a stealth system that had anything to do with anything except combat in this game. So there are these just tough motherfuckers walking around with, you know, vet leather vests on and carrying big, you know, baseball bat pipe weapon shit, carrying huge guns. And I'm just like, I'm going to take this can. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this globe. I'm going to take this old clock. This is mine now. And they're like, you better not try anything, mister. And I'm like, I'm not trying shit, but I am going to need that duct tape. I'm going to take, I'm going to just run through your whole camp. And they're like, you better hurry up and go talk to the boss. Or no, the best line I ever got was, the boss says you're a good guy, so I'll let it slide. Or it wasn't even I'll let it slide. It had nothing to do with what I was doing. It was just like, like, 
but behave yourself or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm behaving myself. I'm opening up your locker and taking your <laughs> uniform out of the locker and putting it on in front of you. I'm not behaving myself yet. I eventually find my way to the lead dude, and it's literally like across the room from him is a shotgun and a laser rifle splayed out on tables. And there's a he's a bodyguard, and the bodyguard's like, don't try anything funny. And I'm like, yeah, it got you. Grab the shotgun, <laughs> grab the laser rifle, go to his modification table, open it up, put a new sight on it, change the receiver. Just like robbing them blind. Nothing. Not a single response. It's as if I don't exist. Finally go talk to the guy, and it's as if the roles have been utterly reversed. It's as if I'm begging him, please, sir, I need a tiny, I need a, t- could you please not hurt my friend anymore? And he's like, absolutely not. Not unless you do something for me, the king of the bandits. Have you heard of the free radicals? I'm the leader of the free radicals. I'm like, okay, well, what would you like, sir? What would you need to not hurt my friend at the bar? And he's like, you need to find me the treasure. And I'm like, I'll do, okay, I'll do that. And what, what? I mean, I could have just shot him. I want to be clear. There's the option like, right. just attack him. I could have just pulled it together and, and shot him. I think that the way that they track quest progress is really interesting because it's like you finish that quest and it's like, you know, it's basically like the game has noticed this. The game has now saved that you've made a choice <laughs> because what you said to him was, yes, you'll help him find the treasure. Um, but I feel like the entire ex- – and I understand um, – uh, I talked to someone who works in, in video games about this as it was happening. And I understand that the that there is a lot involved in trying to find a solution to this problem, right? Because let's say, like, there's no reputation system as far as I can tell with this with this game. So it's not like I could have stolen from them and then the my rep goes down and they come over like guards and say, hey, put that back, and you put it back, but your rep is lower and that changes their their things. Or if they did include that, they would have to had to have included a bunch of additional voice acting, a bunch of additional AI routines. They would have had to have figured out a way to close this this quest off for me or whatever. The thing is, all of that stuff is in Fallout games already and has been from the jump uh, through the Bethesda era before the Bethesda era. Uh, and so that expectation is there. And more importantly... If I walked into a bandit camp who had been... Also, I didn't sell this part. They're sold as being the meanest motherfuckers around because they drove a group of super mutants out of the slumber mill to take it. And so this idea of super mutants for people who've never played these fall games are these just like hulking, like giant ogre folks who are just extremely powerful, extremely tough. They're like a a solid mid-level, mid-game enemy type that you run into Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and so for this group to be like, they're the toughest folks around. They That place used to be filled with super means. You got to be careful when you go in there. I'm like, all right. Also, there's a bit where they give you a, uh, the, a stealth boy, which is like a device that makes you turn invisible, as if you would need to sneak around to steal things or like get deeper into the into the camp. But what I learned is all I had to do is say the password once, and I basically own that place. That place is actually my settlement now. <laughs> Everything in it. They're paying tithes to me. Um, and... I don't know I I don't know how this particular issue gets punted down the road uh without there being some some in-game like all I wanted all well, the best thing would have been to talk to the leader and him being like you know, we're the free radicals. You know what that means? We don't believe in personal or private property. <laughs> Actually, everything <laughs> here is yours if you want it. But right. we work on a severe code of honor or something. Just give me something to justify the fact that I'm literally taking, I mean, I'm taking food, from, I'm taking anti-radiation uh, medicine away from these people. They need that. This, it's, ra- <laughs> it's radiated out there. 
It's radiated here. There's water in this place. Their pump pumps bad water. They need to drink a glass of water and then take some fucking rat away. They can't anymore because I took the rat away. I wasn't even that irradiated. Um, and so it's tough because I feel the edges of the ways in which they've injected parts of the old Fallout games into this thing without necessarily building the scaffolding around those things to make them like harmonious, if that makes sense. Um, also, I don't really love, I still don't think the combat feels good in this because the enemies like move around really weird. And I suspect that's because it's an online game. And I think that stuff is probably not client side. I suspect that stuff is server side. Uh, and they just, just slide all over the place. I don't know. I'm going to keep playing it because I'm curious. Uh, and because someone we know said that it was the best of the Bethesda Fallout games. Uh, so, but we trust that person less as the days go by. <laughs> I would wow. not race with Matthew Galt. Uh, no I don't know right like maybe there's a turn coming maybe there's something happening here where I feel like oh I'll get pulled in deeper and deeper well I think there's a profound uh, I think it sounds like Fallout 76 saying something profound about just like owning a space and projecting a presence right and uh, some people have it and Austin sounds like you do Uh, it sounds like (laughs) you're right I will say I have put some points into charisma lately uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I do have a three charisma in the special system, uh, which is which is not very good, but it's very good for early on in the game. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe they were just like, yeah, you belong here, buddy. <laughs> Take what you need. <laughs> you're just you're like, you're just that guy. It's like, hey, hey, look at him. It's like, hey, just happened to be in the neighborhood, fellas. <laughs> you got any <laughs> Didn't, Yeah. Yeah. God. Come right in. Uh, yeah, no. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. A, a lot of people seem to be having a really good time with this, including some some friend of mine. So I'm going to keep playing it and we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I, I was hoping that this would be a Final Fantasy 14 situation of like, they did it. They fucking knocked it out the park. They found they found it. They found the mm. game, you know, thus far. Yeah. I don't feel like that. Um, mm. But but we'll see. The- Hmm. What's up? I that, that is collapsing a lot of your Fallout for uh, Final Fantasy fourteen experience as well, right? Like that. Oh, totally. No, no, no. I don't even mean that. I don't mean for me, but other people love. Yeah. Uh, I want to be clear. A lot of people think that that the Realm Reborn stuff is good. I do not. Still today, but the arc of Final Fantasy fourteen is kind of what I mean. Uh, where, but but I, I want to say I don't see evidence of that having happened even. Right? I don't see like. Right. Right. There aren't, I don't, even the people who are telling me, oh, it would be cool if you played this with us, aren't saying it's like the best thing in the world. They're like, eh, it'd be fun to hang out in Fallout, in Falloutville. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. I'll check it out. Uh, and that's a different thing than the sort of like uproarious, like, they did it. They fixed Final Fantasy 14 that came after they, they re- rebirthed the realm uh, a number now of I'm years gonna ago. Now I'm going to have to play this thing. We're going to have to have Galt on this thing. We, we have to. We have to go through. It's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be a whole thing. We just like, yes. uh, just gonna, yes. like Natalie's one of those people playing. Just, I bet yeah. we can loop her in to, to come through and talk about her experiences also. Uh, Natalie's going to show up and be like, you didn't talk about how the quest sharing is fucking busted. Well, I mean that, what, don't you have friends? Well, so yes, this is, you know this, right? Did you talk, did she tweet about this? I saw her post. Okay, I didn't yeah. know she. I didn't know she posted about it, but like, do you can you, do you what were her posts? I didn't see her posts. I've only spoken to her. No, just just that she alluded to the fact that sharing these quests appears to be like if you and I are playing together, it appears to be really tough for us to just share quests that like one of us is working on. Yeah. So the thing that I understand is there are locations in this map now called team only locations or something like that. Um, the 
you have to that's weird okay so there are places that only exist for you as an individual player right so the bar that was this person was being robbed and there aren't other player characters in that bar that's like a you it's an instance is what it is the word that they were looking for was instance um <laughs> you go into the instance it's your instance here is the here is the bartender here is the guy we're trying to rob the bar that that situation plays out depending on how you do right um and then every time you go in that's your bar if you have a team they can come into your bar but it but the progress that is made is not the group's progress it is just your progress and so if the whole team goes in with you and you shoot the guy who's trying to rob the bar, that has happened for you. But it has not yet happened for anyone in your team. They will have to become the team leader and go into their bar, I believe this is how this works, and then play that same sequence out from their perspective. Um, what? <laughs> Why? I get, I get that they want, I think that the, the case that's being made is like, it's about maintaining the integrity of the individual solo experience or something. Mm. Um, but that's goofy to me. I feel like I think about something like Star Wars The Old Republic had had this on lock years ago, sharing storyline like repercussions with people. I think you have to like very, be very clear about that th that could happen um, and make sure that like the people you're playing with on your team have agreed to certain things or there's a system in place to veto or back off or like, hey, I don't want this to affect me. Um but to just default it to like, okay, well, now we have to stop playing together. Let's all go into our little, our own individual bar. Let's break up the team, then go into our individual bars so we can have the sequence, then come back is very weird. Um, uh, and especially it's weird to, to have that happen in the middle of a quest line. We're like, all right, we're going to go talk to this gang leader and then realize in the middle of talking to the gang leader, hey, you talk to the gang leader. I was not here. I may as well have been invisible. This didn't happen for me yet. I'm going to go kill the gang leader and then we'll see what happens from there. You know? Um, so yeah. I don't know. That stuff is weird. Uh, but yes, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure we can get some, we can round up some folks to talk about this game. Uh, I'll put a little bit more time into it at the very least. I'd, I'd like to, I would like to get to one of the big new factions and get a, though I think those maybe are late game. So maybe I just won't even get there at all. I'm watching a video of me playing this game over the weekend because I was like, how much did I play? I was, like, I was like level 30 during the original release or the beta or something, which is pretty high. And I don't remember putting that much time into it. So I don't max? know. What's the max? I don't know. I don't know what the max is. I was not at the max that, that much. I do know. Mm. Um, anyway, so that's fallout 76. Uh, I'll try to check back in on that at some point. Kata, what are you up? What have you been up to? Um, I, Valorant playing a lot Valorant, of Valorant. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I I I've had like I've had like Valorant dreams, but I don't mean dreams. Uh-huh. I mean like nightmares. Like, te like Tetris effect. Yeah. Like but, um like callouts in my brain in the middle of a dream. Uh-huh. Or like yeah. corners. Like U-Haul, yes. U-Haul, elbow. <laughs> Hookah. They're in hookah. And no, I'm just like, no, I'm in a bookstore in this dream. Why is someone yelling, they're in hookah? Um, yeah, I have to stop playing that game right before bed. Because then I'm like, very... Are you like jacked? Are you yeah, like, ah. Absolutely. Like, very just aware of every noise. Yeah. And that's not good because my upstairs neighbors are pretty noisy. And sometimes my ears plays tricks on me. I'm like, there's someone in this room. And I'm like mm. sitting up in bed being like, what? Someone's in my fucking house. No, it's just upstairs. It's fine. But it's great. great. <laughs> Valorant's Good. got me like on fucking edge. Um, yeah. 
No, it's uh, I've been enjoying my time with it a lot. I have found that I finally got into competitive. So you have to play a certain number of unranked to be able yeah. to start into competitive. And then you have to get ranked. Um, yeah, I haven't gotten ranked yet. I've only played like three games in competitive. Yeah. But it's it was kind of um it I've had a better time in competitive because it feels like this is kind of almost similar to uh what we were talking about earlier with the racing where like there's a certain way you as- you, you kind of assume to play this game where it's not right. deathmatch. Right. And when everyone on your team is playing by those uh angles like and watching things you know that you don't have to pay attention to certain sight lines because somebody else is watching it where if someone's pushing in and is going to get caught out because they're just like this is deathmatch right we're just trying to get the most kills then like all of that all of the like uh strategy goes out the window right Um, but in competitive it seems like a lot more people are interested in doing these things um Luckily, I haven't re- I haven't uh, had any bad experiences. I've had hmm, I haven't had any toxic experiences. I've had some bad experiences where people were like, "Not we're, we're still doing deathmatch," but it was less than you get an unrated. Unrated, yeah, I feel yeah. like every other game is like we're going in. <laughs> like, I will say it like, also okay. just it also it does get better if you're playing with a group of people. Like if you're in a full team. It right. gets better because it. I think you get matched against full teams better, or at least your MMR matches up such that you're not the outlier who's trying to play the game the right way instead of playing a death match. <laughs> right. Um, totally. Yeah, I've been, I've been. It's been weird to play that game and get better. Like I had my first twenty plus kill game the other day, Hell and we yeah. lost thirteen to eleven. But like, it was like, wow, I've That's never close, played though. this good. Yeah, it was very close. Yeah. Um, like I have a character who I play now. I like understand the the, the gameplay stuff who, really well. Who, or like who? Brim Brimstone Brimstone. Nice. Uh, I can't. I like it's it's um uh what's well uh Steve Bloom is the voice actor. Spike Spiegel is the voice actor. <laughs> like what am I gonna do? His first the, one of the first banners you unlock is him drinking coffee and just being like yeah. an old an old dog like yeah. soldier. I'm like yeah, man. Yeah, Great. okay. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Honestly, if you just replaced him. With uh, Bo Billingslow, uh, who was Jet Jet, Jet Black's voice actor, I was gonna actor. say Jet Black. Yeah, <laughs> I would be happier, honestly. But I'll, I'll take oh. I'll take I'll take Steve Bloom. Um, it it's it has been really it has been really fun to like and weird. Cause I don't I don't. I guess every I, of course I get better at games as I play them, right? Of course sure. that's a thing. But sure. the the divide between day one, day ten, and day twenty or whatever of this game have been vast. Uh, in terms of skill level, and that is such a rare thing for me because I just don't engage with this style of competitive play that often. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see myself, to feel like I've gone from a, um, you know, uh, a, a sort of thing, an obstacle for my team at the at the at the worst, and you know, maybe at best, someone that they need to put the work in to like drag me along, uh, you know, a, a hindrance. Uh, to now being an asset is really fun um, and, and right. really rewarding. Um, it also means I've been playing games with a few people who I've like just not gotten to hang out with in a long time. And right now that's really cool. Um, uh, so that's nice. I will say that I, I, it's probably worth saying that like, I, I think it's probably worth saying only because I trust that people listening know that we've done this sort of internal calculation, but it's worth verbalizing mm-hmm. it so that I think we can talk through it a little bit. The like, it is weird to get into a Riot game in 2020, given the years that Riot right. has had 
before us, you know, before this moment. Um, you know, we did a lot of that reporting on some of the the uh, kind of sexual harassment scandals at Riot. Um, <clears throat> we know that that stuff hasn't hasn't like that didn't go away because there was a settlement and a settlement that I frankly think is insulting uh, to the people who who brought the case. Um, that amount of money is not very much when spread across the folks affected. Um, and I think also it's probably I, I, I guess like to, to give you a, like a little bit of an insight into like why I've decided to play that game despite that. The answer is like really straightforward, which is the women I know who work at Riot want me to play that game. Um, <laughs> and and the organizations that work at, at that work towards worker quality at Riot want us to play the game still. Um, I think it's really important to put forward. And this isn't like this is something I've had to think through. Like I, when that game was first announced, I was like, eh, do I want to? Mm. And then mm. I started thinking about stuff around uh, Vice's own like uh, worker action, you know, uh, moments. Um, I think there are times when the union would say, hey, we are doing collective action in this moment. Um, and in that moment, what I want is solidarity. This goes. This is the same thing that happens when, you know, you see Amazon is striking. I think it's really important in those moments to stand with those workers and not stream anything, stream anything on Amazon Prime that day or not stream anything on Twitch. Big collective action works. Individual boycotting doesn't really move the needle. Um, now, that doesn't mean that I think that someone should feel like there isn't something complicated about giving money to an organization that has done its best to let to sweep sexual harassment under the rug, that has done its best to or that has left people in, in power for a number of years who were abusing that power or who were creating a hostile and uh, aggressively uh, uncomfortable workplace for people. I don't think that, that like if you feel like you couldn't do that, that this is me being like, yes, you can. Like, no, if you can't, you can't. I, I feel for you. But when I look at the groups of people who are working to make that workplace better, they want people to play those games and want us to like they want to make the workers better so that they can keep making games that they love to make. Right. Um, and that is the thing that pushes it over the needle for me and makes me comfortable enough to play the game. Um, if I didn't know people there personally, <laughs> including people who like are involved in trying to make that company better, maybe I would feel differently about it. You know what I mean? If I didn't actually literally get to have conversations with people who are like, here is here, here are the things that we've done this year to make this company a better place, maybe I would st still be like, I can't do it, you know? Um, but but in general, I do my best to follow the lead of unions or at the very least action groups or or yeah. whatever the the sort of organizational structure is that that is trying to to improve the the situation ideally ideally not just the company's one i don't mean i listen to hr <laughs> i mean i listen to like the workers there who are who are trying to improve the situation um right. but i did want to give voice to that because i know it's not like an open and shut thing well to a certain degree some of those power struggles happen because the people want to be there making the thing Right, right, totally. Like totally. is like somebody taking advantage of that 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 want. Um, so it kind of like if 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 you end up uh, undercutting like their want to actually make the games and make them be interesting and make them, have them be played, you know, it's you know, um, you can right. Uh, I mean, listen, if what you want to say is fuck the whole company, burn it down because of what they did, right? That's your judgment. Like I'm not. I right. there are companies for me where that has made that I the line has been crossed there. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck them. I'm good. Like, I don't need to. I, 
I would support worker action at Facebook, right? But like that isn't going to the people of Facebook being like, and also we want you to use it isn't going to make me use it. So I understand, I understand right. that there are situations <laughs> where there are lines that you're like, no, this line has been crossed permanently for me. The, this is fundamentally a thing I oppose. This is a, uh, a, an organization that I cannot imagine a better version of, or it's so far in the distance that it's even beyond worker action. Uh, uh, I don't support the police union. Well, for instance, um, (laughs) this is this is not uh, this is not negotiable. Um, And so and so uh, like I understand that people have different lines there. But for for me here, having spoken to a lot of those folks uh, over the last year or two as as stuff was building and then kind of exploded in in the last year. uh, And then since then, I I do feel like the thing to do for me is to support the folks here who want us to play the games that they're making um, and. You know, Valorant's, Valorant seems really good. Um, I'm curious to see if it totally. builds a following, but we'll see. What were you going to say? No, I was just saying, yeah, that I just said totally. <laughs> oh, totally, totally, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, um, who are you maining at this point? Omen. Uh, and oh, I nice. Found, uh, a, I found that um, I thought I kind of understood enough of the game that switching to another similar character or an, another character that has a few similar um uh uh abilities like utilities, yeah would be kind of an easy transition and let me tell you it is not who did you try to switch uh, to oh i it, the thing i had available the person i had available that was closest which isn't even that close honestly but it was viper um but yeah they're Viper's, different yeah they're very different but viper's got that one like uh oh, um poison poison orb poison yeah. sphere yep. that is kind of similar to the blocking site of uh omens like uh shadows or whatever yeah yeah um, yeah yeah but um a thing i'm learning now is that of the like different things you have to learn about this game one that i'm realizing i haven't been paying enough attention to is mm-hmm. the uptime on abilities of like switching to an ability yeah. is actually drastically different between characters and also and even often between abilities between yeah. abilities yeah for yeah, sure like totally. some abilities you, you can like hit the button and it's ready to go immediately some of them they've got a man animation meant to you know like for example omen has this teleport you're not supposed to use that teleport to run away that teleports no. about being yes. sneaky and repositioning in a way where people haven't seen you yet it yeah. is not like oh it's not the get out of oh, shit uh, button. No. Yeah, it's like no. oh shit button. No. Um, there just isn't where, an like, oh shit jets, button in this game, honestly. Uh, yeah, I guess Jet has jets, the dash, jets right? Jet's dash yeah. could be kind of used that way, but it's still like the time to kill is still fast enough that it's very unlikely. But that's the only one because that one comes out as soon as you hit the button. If you've played your angles right with Jet, you and have a safe place to jet back to, to yeah. dash back to, you can do it there. But like, right. yes, you're totally right. It is not a. It's just like such a fast, fast-paced game. It's so weird to me that like this clicks with me in a way that Call of Duty doesn't. Right. Given well, it's fast-paced in a faster. different way. Yes, right. Totally. The time totally. to kill is faster, but really the 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 gameplay and positioning is all about yeah. those sightlines and holding them and yep. knowing when to change to a different sightline to get out of the way of incoming fire. Where in Call of Duty, it's fast like turn around, aim, turn around a corner, aim quick, uh, keep running, keep moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is fast and like. Once you do engage, you have to make the decision to stay engaged or back the fuck out. Yeah. Within Learning like to a like split second, 
plant my feet is has been the best thing yes. in the world. And just like I'm mm-hmm. confident I can win this fight. Now I might lose the next one because I took too much damage in this one, but I can win this gunfight is like a very right. fun, ex- right. you know, extremely rewarding experience. I got that really good ult the other day. I don't know if y'all saw that. I put on Twitter. Oh my god, that's um, amazing. That was it. Like that was like, oh yeah, I guess I'm meaning Brim. I guess this is it. It's like and learning how to use that ult for positioning. Was that, like, was that all five or four? No, like, it was it was three. Haley, okay. friend of the Still, site, Haley stole geez. one of my kills. She she caught she god caught damn. someone while the blast. So Brimstone has a has a, a move that's called like from the heavens or something like that. Uh, and he basically just like fires a, an orbital cannon at the ground. Maybe it's just called orbital cannon. Uh, and it's just like, you know, an AOE, a big AOE hits the ground and just toasts right. everything inside for like, you know, 20 damage every 0.2 seconds or something. So if you're in there for a full second, you're just done. And in that process, Haley shot someone who was being blasted, and I guess her bullets killed whoever they were hitting before uh, my blast did. So drop me from, from a quad kill to a to a try kill Damn. or whatever. That's fine. <laughs> the, the more important thing I've learned about that, that move is like last night or two nights ago when I was playing, I had a moment where I, I just used it to position people to push people. So they were going into like a little tight room um, where where they could have gone from that room onto site to get to the where the bomb was that we had planted. Uh, and I put it in the room knowing that they probably wouldn't get hit by it, but they would have to make a choice. Do they push right. through it and jump down onto the bomb site where they will be out of cover and won't, won't be in control of their own push and they'll be kind of scared <laughs> that they're about to get blasted from the sky? Or will they back up and go back, like push them further away, giving the, the bomb a few more extra seconds to tick down? And also in this case, pushing them in front of my iron sights where I was able to quickly get two kills. Sometimes <laughs> nice. the ult doesn't get the kill, but what follows gets the kill, you know? Right. So, totally. um, so yeah, I've been really enjoying Valorant. It's, it's, it's in my brain in a way that I haven't had a game in that way in my, in my uh-huh. brain for a minute. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something. Um, anything else that we want to shout out before we wrap up? I played some more of the flower collectors, which is that adventure game that like uh, uh, rear window. Uh, I'm like playing it. I've been playing it every Sunday afternoon. I've been playing like two or three chapters of it and I'm really uh-huh. liking it still. It's still really good. Uh, out. I just met like my, my cop, my old cop partner came. There's like an incredible sequence in that game that is 100% out of like Hitchcockian drama uh, and, and, and like tension where, you're ba- without giving any spoilers away there's this moment there's a knock on the door there's a knock on the door in an inopportune time and you're like oh shit um and it's like i when i open this door this is gonna things are gonna pop off and like the the build and then the way that 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 you know what happens after that is incredibly good um uh it's like it's such an indie game in the sense that like characters just appear or disappear out of cars when the car like a car will drive up and then two cops will just appear next to it you know um but it doesn't it's still so the the space has such an energy to it like looking out over this little plaza learning who the characters are learning their lives the voice acting is all really good so again that's called the flower collectors i'm like i'm like probably two weeks away from giving it a hard sell and and being mad that it's all it only has whatever 50 reviews on steam or whatever it has not even it has 14 <laughs> reviews on steam it's so much fucking better than that uh please check out this game and if you like if you like hitchcock you know films if you like anti-fascism and story <laughs> games it's if you like having a cool furry detective investigate like the last remnants of fascism trying to hold on to power in the country give it a look 
I suspect some of our listeners fall into that category. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that does it for me this week. Uh, uh, any other? I, sadly, can't go in the question bucket today because my email is currently uh, unaccessible, inaccessible. Um, love to be at a company. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like nothing else. It sounds like we're wrapped up here. Yeah. Well, given that, if you want to send questions that I can see uh, in the future, gamingadvice.com is the address. I hope everyone has a good week this week. You can follow me, twitter.com slash Austin underscore Walker. Follow Waypoint, twitter.com slash Waypoint, waypointadvice.com. Um, Rob, where can people find you? At Rob Zachney. And you'll have a story on this indie, indie car thing, this iRacing thing soon, right? Yeah, probably should be up by the time the podcast uh, goes up, though it's a full day. And it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I wrote like three quarters of it during the time of the day where I know I'm going to be free to write. And yes. then I'm like looking at the rest of my schedule. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Uh, that's, how, that's how it be sometimes. Yep. Kato, where can people find you? Uh, at A underscore Kato underscore appears. I almost said at A site. Just at a site get watching, on a site watching long watching long i'm on baths <laughs> i love to just learn the jargon of a new game it's um, fun <laughs> i really uh a really 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 quick thing the may day event in animal crossing is very good it's like a love letter to me the fan of eventide isle from uh from zelda from breath of the wild everyone should do the may day event um is that over today the eighth no you still have a few more the days. eighth oh, okay it's got yeah, some time nice. yep um as always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You of the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. As always, fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Perfect. Nice. Yes. Good and time. Just right on cue, Mina begins <laughs> to like, I'm here. Pay attention. Yeah. Hello. Eh, not too bad. Uh pretty far into a long post about this fucking indie car i'm excited to hear about it let's let's do you want to just jump into it do you uh, you sound excited to talk about it so yeah yeah let's do a clap let's do a time.is and just we'll go hot all right let me go time.is oh shit yeah what's up it's star wars day yeah (laughs) it's also the 50th anniversary of the kent state shooting Oh fuck! <laughs> so, not that one didn't make time. That is no, time. That is <laughs> time. That is out. Not out here talking about 
what happens when a when a nation decides to shoot its own people for protesting what the nations decided to do to its own people and to people elsewhere in the world. Uh, 20 seconds. That was a, that was a long time. <laughs> it was a long time. Sorry, I was deep in thought about what happens when a, yeah. a nation state abuses its power. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> God. Um, I don't have my notes. So, what day is it? Today is the fourth, right? Uh, of course. Mm. <laughs> what uh, episode number is this? Uh, three eleven. Well, there we go. <laughs> All sorts of numbers happening today. <laughs>